The world is a vampire Sent to drain Does that sound more like Sent to James than anything? (laughs) What does it say? Sent to drain? Sent to drain, It's sent to drain. The world is a vampire. What? Sent to James. (laughs) What uh, 90s songs did you fuck up the lyrics to and for years did not know the actual lyrics to? Oh, fuck all of them. (laughs) James was, uh, what was it? Are you Ellie? He thought like Ellie was a person. No, I, yeah. Are you Ellie? And I revealed (laughs) on the show. Uh, For years, I thought in the Who's the Boss theme, it was, you know, do, 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 do. There's a time for love and a time for, and I always thought it was hate. But that makes no sense. Like, that's dark. That would be a There's really a time great for love theme and a time song for, for hate. The choice is up to you, my friend. <laughs> that's actually like America right Truth. now. <laughs> anyway, hello. Hi. Hello. Wel- welcome to the wacky world of Girly Mags, the nostalgia podcast that deep dives into your favorite teen magazines from the 90s and 2000s. This episode, we are covering the January 1996 issue of YM Magazine with cover boys Christopher Douglas, who I have no idea who the fuck that is. Yeah, I don't know who any of these guys are. Patrick Muldoon, I know. He was on Days of Our Lives. And Republican Trump-supporting asshat Antonio Sabato Jr. <laughs> they were considered three of YM's 50 most beautiful guys in the world. And that's the last thing we're mentioning about this because all these guys look super boring and identical to each other. And also, fuck Antonio Sabato Jr. I'm going to say one of them is the guy from Extreme. You know, the more than words. No. Really? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say that's one of them. <laughs> one of them looks like a, okay. like a preteen Fabio. I'm a real man. Just marry me. Just be my countess. My lover. Forever. My name is Dee Mortimer, and last night I got really drunk, ordered two large fries from the Sherburne Bloor McDonald's that I'm single-handedly keeping in business during COVID, and watched Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit, <laughs> which I have to say, awesome movie. It's got like baby movie. baby Lauren Hill, it's got baby Jennifer Love Hewitt, and it's got Whoopi Goldberg. You know what really fucks that movie up? The white rapper guy? I know, I hate Frank him so much. Oh, they had a great <laughs> conversation about cultural appropriation. They did, they did. The, the, the movie's like super fucking black, and like really really awesome which is great because the first sister act was just Whoopi Goldberg surrounded by white nuns so we're gonna say about the magazine oh I was just gonna say I find it weird that it's aimed at like 12 to 16 year olds and these guys are like 57 (laughs) they are in their 20s I know but they look so old like now when you look at teen magazines they have like baby face I don't know Justin Bieber well now he's old but you know back when you look at newer magazines they're like People I don't even know, like TikTok and YouTube stars. Yeah. Why are you like, here, fuck this 30-year-old sexy hunk? Hey, check out Warren Beatty and (laughs) Robert Redford, you (laughs) teens. But I I remember when I was like, when I was in 1996, when I was wearing like the shittiest hand-me-downs from my aunt, like these fucking flutter, like, you know, green jeans from Northern (laughs) Reflections. And thinking to myself, I bet you I could get Antonio Sabato Jr. I bet you I could get Patrick Muldoon to date me. And it's like, I looked like a fucking idiot. <laughs> My name is James Holler, a.k.a. Marilyn Mansplain. And uh, welcome to on this episode of Grizzly Mags. Uh, all Andrea does every single day of her life now is listen to shows about murder. It's true. And just bead for 24 hours. Also true. So for her- Buy my beadwork. For her birthday, I planned a very special surprise. I have committed a series of grisly murders. (laughs) 
And I was going to keep it a surprise, but apparently they're getting pretty close. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it a treasure hunt? <laughs> uh, but in real crime, in, in true crime news, the actual crime I committed just now, I went to the store and I was doing the automatic checkout, and I said I had one bag, and when I stepped outside, another bag was attached <laughs> to oh, it. Oh, so it was actually a mistake and not a crime. See, I actually put in one bag or no bags, but I still take the bag. I was kind of <laughs> sure there was a second bag. I had my suspicions. And then okay. I immediately went back in and paid. Oh, Who my did? God. No, I'm, I, it's I'm not. It's a fictiveless crime. I'm not that OCD. <laughs> Yo, it's me. I'm pumped to re- be around this table again with you freaks and geeks. I'm mm-hmm. fucking hot, and I'm on my period, so don't piss me off. <laughs> uh, and we re-upped on some magazines recently, which we were looking through, and they're so fucking lame. I can't yeah. wait to cover them. Did you just, it's me, our listeners? <laughs> you didn't say who you are. It's a me, Andrea. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> we also have a super wild story that intersects two of my interests, 90s rock and murder. It's literally bonkers. Yeah. Um, and it's 1996, which is one of my favorite years of my life, and everything's gone downhill since. Oh, my God. That's bleak. <laughs> um, we want to thank our Patreon subscribers, our new ones, Denise D, Jen S, and Lauren S, as well as all of our diehard Girly Mag thank fans. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you guys. And just a little plug, if you want access to our magazine archives, bonus podcast segments, merch, and other fun shit, check us out on Patreon. We've got a $1 and a $5 tier, so get over there and subscribe if you can't get enough. Of our stupid asses. Oh, you said Patreon, right? Yay! <laughs> uh, also, please, if you like this podcast, take a couple minutes to leave us a five-star rating. Or if you're feeling up to it, a cute review. It helps others discover our show, and it makes us feel all warm and tingly down there. Okay, <laughs> now that that shit's out of the way, on to this month in history. All right, this month in history, this magazine is YM from January 1996. And I'm going to give you a little historical context. I was so excited because you picked a magazine from a good month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, so many things happened. Tupac died, all these things. Then you're like, no, you said June 96 or September 96. And then the actual thing was January 96. Yeah. <laughs> we blew so now it. I got this shit. Uh, January 1st, first day of the 1996. After <laughs> 27 years, Betty Rubble debuts as a Flintstone vitamin. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. I, I don't know what kind good. of social justice campaign they had back Ugh. in 96. If you think we waste time now <laughs> on social justice, I mean, I don't, but if you do, yeah. imagine the time people be like, no, Betty Rubble needs a Flintstone vitamin. Yeah, that's what feminism hinges on. <laughs> Just try and take Fred out of my mouth. <laughs> on January 3rd, uh, the first clamshell flip mobile phone, this Motorola <laughs> Star Trek, goes on sale. Jesus Christ. 96? Eventually, I wanted one of those so fucking I did too, bad. actually. Noriega had one. Niles Crane famously had <laughs> one. I don't like this one bit. Uh, on January 18th, Lisa Marie Presley files for a divorce from Michael Jackson. There's so a there's a lesson shocker. for you. There's a lesson for you, kids. Not to base your marriage based on pure electric sexual <laughs> attraction. <laughs> In movies, uh, released was 12 Monkeys. Love that movie. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. I love that movie. Also love that movie. That's a From Dust Till Dawn and Biodome. All those movies are great. Well, I don't know about Biodome. Biodome. It's it's a bit of a sinker. (laughs) Pretty good. Is it with Stephen Baldwin? Yep. Oh, fuck that guy. And Polly Shore. Albums released, 
Emily Haynes came out with her first album, which is weird yeah, for 1996. Yeah, so That's super weird. Yeah. Is that the girl from Metric? Yeah, yeah. the girl from Metric. Uh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> Straight Off the Streets for, of Motherfucking Compton by Easy e was nice. released. He must have died. died. Yeah, yeah he died in 94. It's posthumous. Yeah, posthumous. 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 <laughs> you say it like me. Uh, Total released their debut album. Yes. On January 16th, Jamaican authorities opened fire on Jimmy Buffett's seaplane, which Shit. also contained U2 singer Bono. You what? ask why? Isn't that explanation enough? <laughs> I thought that we you got you... Jimmy Buffett and Bono <laughs> on the same plane. You led you led into that from like the albums that were released and I was like, is this the name of an album? It's really long. <laughs> and on January 29th, the 23rd American Music Awards came out. Garth Brooks in competition for favorite artist, beat out Green Day TLC. What? But he refused to accept the award because it felt he felt it should have gone to a more deserving candidate. Well, he, he wasn't said, wrong. Kept the music business in float that year, and he was so grateful. But he thought this this p- group of people really deserved the award, and that group was Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, all I got. Fuck. You partied with Hootie and the Blowfish? Hey, blowfish, suck on my neck. Scary grizzly, not like yeah. grizzly bear, which I found out earlier. Which <laughs> is both an animal and a band. <laughs> Actually, a group? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. We've got something very special here for you guys. What we were doing this month in history, we happened to come across a January 1996 event that we thought would be super interesting and fun to cover. Well, maybe not fun, but definitely interesting. This, okay, so here's the thing. Andrea brought up this idea to have this segment, and I obviously fucking immediately signed on board for it. Yeah, you're known as D, Murder and Mayhem Mortimer. So I'm, like, thinking to myself, this is just going to be, like, you know, a murder that was, like, everybody kind of blamed the music and blah, blah, blah. And, like, it was going to be something, like, typical like that. This case is fucking bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. I went down a fucking wormhole and then was late to this recording (laughs) because I could not get myself out of this, like, Bermuda Triangle of fucking crazy. Yep. I'm here, too, and I will just be like, yep, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) All right. You ready to go into this? Yeah. All right. McCleary, Washington is a sleepy little logging town nestled in the outskirts of the Capitol State Forest in the Olympic Peninsula known as Grays Harbor County. This is that kind of Pacific Northwest town where there's one stoplight, a gas station, a family-owned restaurant, and where everyone knows everyone. It's also a place. Yeah. (laughs) Except... It's also a place with high teen pregnancy rates, rampant methamphetamine use, and that never-ending rainy drizzle that birthed Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, and the grunge scene just 28 miles away in Aberdeen. Shut up! (laughs) With a population of 1,600 and low levels of crime, this town was rocked in the mid-90s by a triple slang known as the Silverchair Murders. That's right, Silverchair, like the band you just heard, 
as in the Australian front not like the band you just heard literally <laughs> yeah, the, the band, band you, you just, just heard. heard as in the Australian band fronted by Daniel Johns aka my cousin aka <laughs> guy I loved because he looks like a lesbian so Silverchair didn't just kill grunge <laughs> <laughs> and they're known for their hits like Tomorrow Suicidal Dream Freak and the song at the heart of this case Israel's Son by the way I never brought this up before a girl in my class we were all supposed to have a poetry assignment. She literally wrote the lyrics to Suicidal Dream. Oh, my God. And uh, she got caught. We all knew it. <laughs> Take that, Vicky Owens. <laughs> all right. Let's get into this. Brian Bassett was described by family members as an average student and an athlete at nearby Elma High School. He was a shy, quiet 16-year-old who, until recently, lived with his parents, Mike and Wendy Bassett, and, their sib- and his siblings, 5-year-old Austin and 18-year-old Stephanie. According to an article by John White at the Seattle Times, an ex-girlfriend stated that about a year before, Brian had fallen into the wrong crowd and he was drinking so much alcohol that he had to be hospitalized. A September 1996 Spin Magazine article by Mark Schoen states that around the end of 94, Brian morphed from this quiet, unassuming kid to a, quote, freak with dyed orange hair who began to act aggressively and threatened his mom, Wendy, so much that she began to sleep with the baseball bat next to her. Jesus, you're going to oh bludgeon God. your kid to death? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. So the kid's son quoted 13-year-old Rick Stewart said, he used to be a normal kid, then he started doing weird stuff. Like dyeing his hair orange? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Silverchair like every... Voluntarily becoming a ginger? Who would do that? <laughs> a freak. <laughs> D has orange hair right now. <laughs> I do. I did dye my hair ginger. So one of the individuals that he'd begun to hung around with was a kid named Nicholas McDonald, a 17-year-old high school dropout who lived with his mom, Sherry, in a double-wide trailer in McCleary. Who had awesome hair, too. Yeah, he also had awesome hair. <laughs> Seeing no problems thus far. <laughs> so Nick had a troubled childhood. Uh, he grew up in Illinois, and according to the Spin article, he'd committed arson and been charged with four offenses, including a felony for stealing a motorcycle and, 90s alert, destroying a payphone by the time he was 17. Uh, his dad had attempted suicide when Nick was five, and he found him on the floor, actually. Um, his dad lived, but his mom suffered you know, PTSD and mental illness and substance abuse problems stemming from this. And so she spent a lot of time in and out of psychiatric facilities throughout Nick's life. He ended up moving to Washington to live with his uncle, and his mom followed him out there shortly after. So Nick and Brian became friends in the spring of 95. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> friends. And by July, both of them had been kicked out of their respective households by their parents who were fed up with their shit for the last time. I mean, when you're sleeping with a baseball bat, you probably, you know, don't want your son living in the house. Yeah. So they lived in this abandoned logging shed behind um, Brian's family's house. And they were stealing, drinking, listening to alt rock like every other teen in the mid 90s. But somewhere along the way, they decided they wanted to run away to California together. <laughs> and a few sources stated that Nick was openly gay and that Brian was his lover. I was about to say, this sounds sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh by the way, we have no guests this episode, so our guest for this thing will be Gilbert Gottfried. Hello, Gilbert. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Okay, I'm just here. Gotta react. I'll be quiet. <laughs> So a few sources had said this, um, which was later denied by Brian. But again, this is the 90s and homophobia was and is still rampant, especially in a small in small town, Washington. So this spin article states that Brian had asked his parents to move back in, but his request was rebuffed. And his dad, Mike, also told him he'd have to move out of the shed, which was located behind the house. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I thought that, too. And then when Brian asked if he could get some of his belongings, his dad said, You have no property. Oh, my God. And his mom, Wendy, had burned his clothes and CDs on the family's front lawn. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Which, when you're a teenager, that is a big fucking deal. 
Yeah. So on the night of August 10th, 1995, Brian snuck into his upstairs bedroom uh, via a ladder on the side of the Bassett home to retrieve said belongings. I guess the one his mom didn't burn. Yeah. He'd stolen a gun from an acquaintance a couple days before, a 22 rifle with a homemade silencer made from a soda bottle. Don't know how that works. Don't want to look it up. Yeah. FBI. <laughs> Wendy heard the rustle and awoke Mike, the husband, who apparently had barreled up the stairs towards Brian. And in a panic, according to him, yeah. he shot his dad and his mom um, as she came upstairs with her said baseball bat. And he shot her, too. Apparently screaming like a banshee. Yeah. With a <laughs> rifle? That's not like that's not like quick. That's not like a handgun. No, yeah. you, have you have to, to like aim. Oh, sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> that's not quick. That's not like a handgun. <laughs> So Nick was waiting outside and he heard the gunshots and then a crazed Brian clambered down the ladder and stated, I just shot my parents. In the midst of this, Brian grabbed a tape that was in his dad's hand. I don't know why. Frog stomp by Silverchair and blasted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an intruder. Gotta grab my frog. Maybe I'll throw oh this CD at them like a ninja star. <laughs> so he blasted Israel's son, kicking his parents and shouting out the lyrics and screamed at them for kicking him out and destroying his shit. Apparently, when he grabbed the tape out of his father's out of dying his pr- hands. Try yes. them out of my cold, dead hands. Literally. Like, literally blood-splattered fucking copy of Frog Stomp and literally started kicking his dad, screaming, this is my tape. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> Maybe I could bargain with the intruder. Let me grab Frog Stomp. <laughs> Bargaining with your son. So Brian asked Nick to finish off his dad, who apparently was still alive, and then asked him to kill his five-year-old brother, Austin, who was a witness to the shootings. Nick drew a bath and then pushed Austin in the bathtub, holding him underwater for three to six minutes. Later in court, they actually did in a, a moment of like three minutes of silence to show how long that was, which oh I think God. is really effective in trial. You don't realize how long that is until you're quiet for three minutes. Yeah. Um, Never happened for me. <laughs> At some point, though, like that silence must get super awkward, yeah. which it should be because it's showing how long they held a kid's yeah. head underwater. But like still. Yeah. At You're that just, point, like, I'm just kind of like looking around being like, I think we need to take a moment of silence <laughs> and really seriously mourn this child and take three minutes. I'm taking this 100 percent seriously. <laughs> so Brian's older sister, wasting time. <laughs> Stephanie uh, escaped the whore because she was out of town for a softball tournament that day. And so there was later claims that they like hadn't really planned this. And, you know, it was all kind of because Brian's dad rushed him, but they cut the phone lines. That's yeah. premeditation. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. So they attempted to cr- clean the crime scene, vacuuming up bits of the skull into the vacuum cleaner. That's how Ugh. fucked this is. Yeah. And loaded Ugh. Mike and Austin's bodies into the family Plymouth Voyager and then dumped them down an embankment in the Capitol State Forest. Uh, Wendy's ha- body was stashed in a pump house behind the garage and they loaded up the van with possessions, including the blood splattered frog stomp tape <laughs> and headed down Interstate 5, planning to restart their lives in San Francisco. Good advertising for that vacuum cleaner, by the way. <laughs> by the way, who's that? Ringo Starr for the rest of this episode. Oh, I am no. just here about to hear this about this murder. Thanks for lifting the mood. This entire <laughs> segment. It is dark. It is dark. I'm just going to be here talking about this murder. <laughs> So they drove for about four hours past Portland, and then Brian asked Nick to take over driving while he slept in the back of the van. So they're about around Grants Pass, Oregon, which is near the Northern California border, and Nick drove into a gas station and then walked to a nearby police station, stating he knew an out-of-state crime that had just happened. So the cops came, guns drawn, arrested Brian without incident, and they were hauled off to await trial. 
So that's the outline of sort of the... Basically what happened. Basically what happened. So I'm going to go into like the trial part of this. And I'm taking like a lot of my information from the Mark Schoen article that Andrea referenced from the September 1996 issue of Spin Magazine. Rip. Yep. (laughs) Brian Bassett and Nicholas McDonald were initially charged with one count of first degree murder and two counts of second degree murder for Bassett and one count of first degree murder for McDonald. However, from what I can see, these charges were upgraded to three counts of aggravated first-degree murder for both of them, with bail being set at 500k. So, at the time, aggravated murder was the only crime in Washington that carried the death penalty, and legislators were under a lot of pressure to extend the penalty to Bassett in this case, including from Bassett's surviving sisters, who were, like, super basically saying the dude needed to be put down, and he was, like, a fucking monster. Um, But ultimately, the state Supreme Court uh, upheld the 1993 ruling that removed execution as punishment for acts committed before the accused turned 18. So the only other penalty that could have been handed down for a crime of this caliber was life without parole. Can you commit a murder when you're not aggravated? (laughs) (laughs) Is it it less of a crime if you're just real relaxed when you're committing (laughs) a murder? Oh, my God. (laughs) He seemed pretty fucking relaxed. Well, there has to be... There has to be... um, Premeditation? Yeah, but there's got to be, like, specific things involved for something to be aggravated mm. as opposed to just they had to murder. have really pissed you off <laughs> well there's things like you know if you like it's an automatic aggravated murder if you murder a cop who's on who's working at the time mm. it's automatically I aggravated. feel like that should be less of a crime <laughs> ACAB is okay. what we said of when I was <laughs> in right, the Bradles okay um, so Washington's, Washington State would later become the 20th state to abolish the death penalty in October of 2018 when its Supreme Court deemed the death penalty to be unconstitutional on grounds of racial bias So Bassett and McDonald were tried separately as adults, with the latter's trial going first, during which he wrote several letters to Bassett from jail, indicating in one that he'd take the fall for Brian, and that in another letter he thought they could be roommates if they were both sent to the same prison. All letters went unanswered and were considered an attempt by McDonald to color his own defense as a lovesick boyfriend cut up in his partner's violent crimes. So... Bassett, in turn, wrote letters to his friends, with three being penned to his girlfriend, one of which said that Nick had written and was bullshitting him, saying, "Hold, uh, he told me no hard feelings. Can you believe that? He also said that if we go to prison together, he wants us to be roommates. Fucking queer. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> awful. <laughs> so McDonald managed to sway certain members of the jury enough that they could not come to a decision on premeditation, thus convicting him on two counts of second-degree homicide for the deaths of Bassett's father and brother and acquitting him of the death of his mother, meaning that he would have a possibility of parole within 10 years. There was enough fury that erupted over the sentencing prospect that the judge ordered an exceptional sentence of 14 years and nine months for the father's death and adding 50 additional years for the brother's death. He could potentially still be alive when he gets out. Yeah. 80 or something. Yeah. So um, the defense for Bassett's trial painted the murders as unplanned self-defense and insisted that Bassett had nothing to do with the drowning of his little brother. So basically, he murdered his dad and his mom in self-defense because they were going like insane over the intruder thing. And then he was super shocked and he ended up like going outside and Nick, who was super calm and collected took his gun and ha- he had like a, a, a lengthier relationship with the law and like being in jail and stuff like that. So he apparently was super like cool as a cucumber and went in and like murdered. Yeah. He was, Austin. he was afraid of, he needed to self defend against the frog stomp. Yeah. Exactly. yeah imagine how you would react <laughs> if someone ran up to you with a rogue stomp type. 
<laughs> so he insisted that he shot his parents and then handed the reins over to McDonald, who took care of everything else, including the brother's murder and the, and the disposal of the bodies. Bassett's defense attorney also wanted to play Israel's son as part of his opening statement and paint the lyrics and band as partially responsible for the murders, a claim that the band obviously and understandably completely denied. So we're going to play a clip from the song, which is actually um, the specific clip that the defense wanted to use um, in court as a part of, I believe, the opening statement. Shouldn't Eddie Vedder have killed him for taking his money? <laughs> yeah, so the lyrics are, hate is what I feel for you, and I want you to know that I want you dead. You're late for the execution. If you're not here soon, I'll kill your friend instead. We had a similar experience when I was in the Beatles when Charles Munson, he came <laughs> out and said, hell to skelter inspired him. Yeah, so that was the clip that they wanted to use. I'm really glad that you clarified the lyrics because I literally didn't understand most of <laughs> Damn the Damn Australian accents. Yeah. So after they basically, the defense tried to like you, like paint Silverchair as like being partially responsible due to Israel's son lyrics, um, Silverchair released uh, the following statement that said, Silverchair do not have not and never would condone violence of any sort. The band is appalled by this horrific crime and they hope that justice will prevail in prosecuting whoever is responsible for it. The band extends its sincere sympathies and absolutely rejects any allegation that their song is in any way responsible for the actions of the alleged murderers. It is a matter of public record that Israel's son was inspired by a television documentary about wartime atrocities and was never intended to provoke violence and cannot be interpreted by any reasonable person as doing it as doing so. In fact, the song seeks to criticize violence and war by portraying them in all their horror, which I like clearly agree with. Yeah. Like anybody who's reasonable understands that lyrics aren't literally telling you to go out and fucking kill your whole family. Yeah, I mean, if it's critical, you could run up and be like, I killed a bunch of people because I listened to Sunday Bloody Sunday yeah, by exactly. you too, even exactly. though it's... Um, and I mean, like, we're going to talk a little bit later. Like we have, you know, certain. Like, but uh, why did the dad run upstairs with the CD in his hand? <laughs> he didn't, right? That's impossible. I have no idea. They put the CD in his hand afterwards? Did they come to the crime scene and wait? And the dad had it in his hand. They said no, no, because the guy because the, because Brian Bassett like took the CD like the, took tape, the tape out of his and hand. put it in and like was listening to it as, as they killing. drove away. Yeah, and as they were killing and as their he parents. was killing them. But so that's just hearsay that it's the dad exa- yeah. had for some reason ran up the stairs, grabbed a silver chair tape, and like got to deal with an intruder. <laughs> Maybe I'll throw this silver chair tape at him. <laughs> it's definitely hearsay. The only thing that they're saying is like clear evidence that the tape was somewhere in the room is because it was covered in, in blood. blood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but the the actual idea of like the dad like holding the fucking tape as he was being like shot and kicked to death, um, which was interesting because in the defense for Brian for Brian Bassett, I think he said that the and and even for uh, for Nicholas, his defense said basically that he gave the last shot because the father was still alive. Yeah. And so he basically shot the father in the head and called it a mercy kill. Yeah. So but it's but the apparently like going back to the tape, it was covered in blood and like it had apparently some brain matter on it or something yeah. like that. And it, like it's just 
The tape was definitely a part of what the crime as it went on. Which is why it's known as the silver chair murders. Exactly. So in the end, the prosecutors rejected the defense case and and convinced the jury that the murders were committed by a disturbed mind in order to steal money and belongings and run off to California. Bassett was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. It should be noted, too, by the way, that they only had $30. Like, how were you planning to start a new life with $30? Do you understand inflation? $30 <laughs> is worth, like, maybe $30,000. <laughs> also, it, like, the sisters, like, specifically Stephanie, was, like, really, obviously really fucking traumatized and yeah. hurt and, like, and, and... She lost her parents. She lost her parents. Her she brother. lost her little brother. Lost her silver chair CD. Lost her car because the oh, yeah. car that they fucking drove off was Stephanie's car. Yeah. So fast forward to just a year ago. In June of 2019, some 23 years after his initial sentence, Bassett was resentenced by Grays Harbor County Superior Court to a minimum of 60 years in prison following a 2018 state Supreme Court decision that determined that life without parole was categorically unconstitutional for juvenile offenders and that it it constituted cruel and unusual punishment, thus sending his case back to the courts for a new sentence. Judge David L. Edwards stated in his ruling that after the testimony, after hearing the testimony and evidence, he had determined that a term of 60 years was appropriate for the three counts, 25 years for his mother, 25 years for his father to be served concurrently, and an additional 35 years for the murder of his brother to be served consecutively after the other two. Bassett will be in his 70s before a release is possible, and Bassett's attorney has said that an appeal is planned, and that's kind of where the information dries up. This is the thing that I find really interesting. Because this is not the first time that we've heard, especially in the 90s. I don't know if it was like satanic panic or what. It was absolutely satanic panic. Where bands were, well, I mean, it goes back to even like Charles Manson and Helter Skelter. I think there was a famous murder that was inspired by an Ozzy Osbourne song, was it? Or was it? Alice Cooper. Here, there was I have well, a list Richard here. Richard Ramirez said that he did all of his like serial raping and murdering because he was like super into ACDC's Highway to Hell. Fucking <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> <laughs> Australians! <laughs> oh yeah, Australians just giving us shitty music and causing us to murder each other. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I looked up a couple other ones. There was a New Jersey case with Metallica. There was teenagers claimed a Tupac song inspired them to shoot a cop. I remember that case. Obviously, the Columbine murders that everybody tried to blame Marilyn Manson. Yeah for the charles manson heard secret messages in the beatles album yeah uh slipknot blamed for a school murder obviously marilyn manson for columbine um eminem yeah uh there's the serial killer with the acdc more acdc richard ramirez yeah drowning pool most of those bands made me want to kill myself (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like it's interesting because it's really easy to pass the blame i mean any kid is easily influenced but like, lyrics for a song are really going to make you go out and fucking kill your family. Like, there's clearly, a, like, underlying mental health issues. He was already like, being in trouble with the law. He's hanging out with a kid who has already felonies on his record by the time he's 17. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't know how... What do you guys... Well, you. I mean, music, you got to have something to pump you up for a murder. I mean, you're going to listen to something. I mean, I'm sure people in the 1800s were like, I listened to... The Nazis, where they're inspired by Wagner. Oh my God! Or uh, you know, you listen to like uh, Beethoven, dun, 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 and it's like that's <laughs> gonna kill someone. Or like every time I listen to Annie Up by M.O.P., I want to kill someone. But that's what I choose to listen to. Psych me up to kill yeah. someone. Like it's not the song. Yeah. I'm gonna kill someone, and then I'd put on Annie Up, and I'd kill the shit out of them. <laughs> But the whole idea of being influenced to commit murder because of lyrics you're listening to, that 
completely spells out premeditation to me. Yeah. Like you've listened to a song and then therefore go out and kill people. You're premeditating those those murders because you've listened to a song and now you're blaming that song. Well, and I don't know how I feel about, I was going to ask you guys for the, about the life without parole for teen killers because there's been a couple of cases where they've ruled it unconstitutional. People have gotten out at the age of, you know, 60 or 70 and they fucking kill again. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I mean, it depends on the age. I think at 15 or 16, you are still very young. You're very impressionable, but you're also not like 10. Yeah. Oh my God, guys. I completely forgot. We have some young listeners and we did play Israel's son. So I want to set a warning <laughs> to everyone. Stay away from your parents right now. You yeah. just, it's coronavirus, but more dangerous is you just listen to Israel's son. Yeah. You don't know how this will inspire you to murder your parents. So stay away from your parents for two weeks after you listen to this episode, stay away from your parents. Leave them alone. Leave your leave your like kid brother alone. Like leave your frog stomp CD in yeah, the cassette just, player. Just, yeah. If you listen to this uh, episode, spend two weeks away from your parents. If you ever listen to Silverchair, stay away from your parents for at least two weeks, just in case this is what sends you over the edge. <laughs> Don't blame Silverchair for murdering. Blame Girly Mix for murdering. <laughs> You know, going back to the whole idea of the whole life without parole thing, it's I'm of two minds because people, like you said, are impressionable because like in the teens, like in your teen years, like there's proof that your brain still hasn't fully like formed as an adult, which is why there are so many laws that differentiate being a juvenile offender to being an adult offender. But the whole idea of like all of the work that's being done to resentence kids who were given life without parole and tried as adults for murder is that we still have so many people and so many like kids who are in prison for like 35, 40, 50 years for minor drug offenses yeah. and they're not being considered in the same well, way. Well, and if, if if we if we want to send us these kids to be in jail forever, at what point is it like just some weird punitive measure yeah. where we're just getting off on being like, that was bad. Yeah. Like we're not actually, he only has one set of parents. He's not yeah. going to kill someone else's parents. And it's like, is he, eventually there's a point where if someone commits a crime as a teen, do they really have to be in jail forever? Yeah. Is this just us being like a, some kind of punitive society where we're just like... I think that's definitely what it is to a, to like a certain extent. Like, Isn't there a point where a teenager who commits a murder like that who killed his... Who is he really hurting in this situation? If his yeah. sister says... Live to his sister. Yeah. His sister says she'd be let out when he was 50... No, his sister wants it, wanted the death penalty. His sister oh. wanted the fucking death penalty. Jesus. I wonder how much of that was because he stole her car. <laughs> but but the, I, I do want to like kind of talk about, because um, we saw it with Columbine. We saw it with like a lot of kind of the, the teenage spree murders that happen, um, especially in schools. And there's this like weird need with white kids who commit these crimes to create this like weird narrative to explain why everything happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, how were they, like, were they abused growing up? What were they listening to in terms of music? Like, w you know, why did this kid who was otherwise, you know, shy and quiet or, like, how, how did he become so How disturbed? could a white person do this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But when, say, like, a person of color or a teenager of color or a black teenager does, like, a similar thing, which rarely fucking happens because the perpetrators are overwhelmingly white yeah. men. But nobody cares to create a narrative and get to the root of why did this thing happen? It's just because it's like literally explained away. It's like, well, he's a black kid. So yeah. of course yeah. he did this thing. I mean, thing. it's a thug. He's a thug. 
Yeah. Exactly. He's a criminal. He's a lifelong criminal. Like, and the, and yeah. the sentences are generally longer, too, exactly. for the exact same crimes. But then we're, so we're always, always on the lookout for, like, this, to creating this, like, super tragic narrative to explain away, like, why this white kid did this thing. He like, was radicalized on the internet. But you see overwhelmingly that spree killers like this are, all, all like, overwhelmingly, like, white male kids yeah and so at what point do we actually just say these kids are raised to be little fucking monsters because of xyz so whether it's white supremacy well it could be mental whatever. health problems yeah. too well, yeah. it's a huge problem i mean we them. always try to explain it away where a teenager who's in a gang kills someone else as a teen or like in a that's like a, a, a economic crime i'm like throw them in jail forever or whatever yeah. that makes sense but we have to like create these teens if a white person commits a crime he has to be a weird demon yeah like a weird de- like a crazy it's not like we one we explain them ways mental health, but also or we villainize them as being like this kid's the devil. Yeah, and uh, that's the reason. Like he's a specific devil person who needs to be in jail forever because no other yeah. no otherwise why would a white person do this? But we care more about the mental health and illness of white perpetrators oh, of crime than the mental illnesses of black people who do similar crimes, and we don't care that su- white supremacy creates mental illness in yeah. black people and that's how that happens or that's a contributing factor to well, and why an over- overwhelming happens. majority of spree killers are either white supremacist exactly. or, or some ki- have some kind of homophobic hate, yeah. mis- misogynist like yeah. you know Incels. pick your ist that yeah. gets well, usually also because that. of white privilege a white teenager generally has to be crazy or a hate crime to commit a mass murder yeah where uh, in other situations, it might be a, a matter of economic necessity yeah. or social conditioning because of how you grew up. Yeah. So that's where we have to create these narratives of why yeah. white people commit these crimes because a white person wouldn't have to do this. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So last, podca- po- last podcast on the left did a really great, I think it's a three-parter series on Columbine, um, and they took pretty much all of their source material from the book Columbine. I can't remember the author, but we can read it. it. It's basically a Bible of Columbine, and it dispels all of these myths that were created by the media to explain away this tragedy um, or this, like, horrible crime. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was based on, like, oh, these kids were bullied, and they were seeking revenge. When they weren't bullies, they were bullies. Like, they weren't bullies They were bullies themselves. And the, the ringleader of it... He was an actual popular guy who was like, I believe, super white supremacy. I mean, don't build him up. He wasn't that popular. <laughs> he was. He had he was some friends. He, he wasn't was super liked, popular. The book is by Dave, Dave Colin, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was considered liked. Like people were, you know, like pe- he was. He was all right. He wasn't that good. He just I mean, wasn't bottom of like. The I was a member of the football team in Columbine. He was all right. He wasn't like we didn't bully him as a giant nerd. He had his like own scene going on. But <laughs> once you do, once you create that narrative of like, oh, these kids were bullied, immediately there are a lot of people who are going to feel sympathy yeah, for that. And vic- because I kind of did. Like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't saying like the guy who didn't deserve to go to jail over it, but with a second, because I because I have a history have of being been bullied, bullied. Yeah, it fits in that I narrative. felt like that sympathy. You're like, I could kill like, all these motherfuckers too. Oh, you want you you get that righteous anger, but he was a weird right wing. Like I like I've yeah. read the book and I've read his diaries he was just a weird right-wing like white supremacist white supremacist also like uh uh like perverting like survival of the fittest like we should have a registry for white (laughs) right-wing like teenagers who get because you don't hear about left-wing antifa who have they killed yeah they're so feeble they can't even throw a punch (laughs) 
<laughs> but then you have that stupid fucking movie that Michael Moore pulled, put put out oh, called Bowling, Bowling for, for Columbine, Columbine mm-hmm. which like not saw enough bowling in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like. N- those kids did not need a fucking documentary from Michael Moore to be made about why they committed those fucking crimes. Yeah. Like yeah. they didn't need that. But all of the sympathy was like generated for these two kids and none of it was like none of it was earned. These yeah. kids were just monsters. They were ju- well, well at least one of them was a fucking asshole. Yeah. One of them might have been easily led. That's but at what least, it was. I forget which I don't even bother learning the differentiating between the two. But yeah, one of them was a fucking asshole. And that would have been simple to just say, hey, this kid was an asshole. Yeah. This kid did this thing because he was an asshole little fucking monster. Entitled asshole. He was so entitled. He He was was like, these kids aren't being nice to me. I need to be the greatest ubermensch of all time. Which is white supremacy, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Fully white supremacy. It's the same same underlying, uh, like with Elliot Rogers. Incels, yeah. yeah. Incel kid, where I'm entitled to have sex and none of these attractive women want to have sex with me because I'm a fucking loser. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I think that like, you know, going back to, you know, going back to the initial thing where it's just like oh the music made me do it it's like it's such a shitty fucking defense yeah, it's a because out. it literally doesn't make any sense yeah. Yeah. we all know that music makes the people come together yeah. <laughs> it makes the bourgeois <laughs> leave and the rebels <laughs> dot 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 because it doesn't explain what the rebels do <laughs> Or do the rebels leave? I don't know. Maybe they leave. Maybe they just. All they right. Go, next they up, go make a snack. an expose on the lyrics of music by Madonna. Video where old dirty bastard fingers are on a uh, roller coaster. Is it <laughs> thinking no of fear? <laughs> I fucking love. That's like probably yeah. my favorite Mariah Carey song. There is ever. no artist who I would rather listen to moan for a minute before you actually start the song than Mariah Carey. I'd rather listen to old dirty bastard moan for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was. Uh, she actually directed that video on her own. Um, she wasn't happy with her previous music videos. That video is fucking great. It makes me want to go on a roller coaster. Exactly. Every single time I'm on a wooden roller coaster, I think of that, and I also think of the scene in Fear. When she's in Reese that. Reese she has that rainbow tank top on it, right? No, I think that's uh, from Heart, that's the Heartbreaker, later. the Heartbreaker video. Oh, this one, okay. she's in rollerblades. It's very 90s. Oh, I love she it. is wearing, if I can recall, a black kind of like short sleeve sweatery kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, with like short shorts yeah. and rollerblades. See, I was right. I yeah. looked at the picture right there. I just know it from memory. <laughs> Anyways, great song. Great song. And we are on to Say Anything, Your Most Humiliating Experiences. So this one is the Nightmare of the Month, which if you don't remember in the magazines, is their like five-star Join the Witness Protection Ultimate Program. Supremo Ultimate embarrassing Supremo Embarrassing Moment. Nightmare. Yeah. Opposite of getting fingered by Old Dirty Bastard <laughs> on a roller coaster, which is, is, is a is fantasy. <laughs> Nightmare of the Month. I'm on the basketball team at school, and everyone has to get a physical before the season starts. What are you, in the NBA during oh coronavirus? God. I did not have to do that in school. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it's I saw just, that. I thought of Larry Nassar immediately. Is <laughs> that that athlete A guy? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought of too. I'd been having diarrhea the week of my doctor's appointment, but I'd forgotten all about it by the time I got to the office. No, you didn't. You can't forget <laughs> diarrhea. It's with you always. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like that Elvis song, Always On My Mind. Yeah. Or Pet Shop Always. I like that version better. How can you? You forget that your asshole's on fire for like a week yeah, and you're having like explosive <laughs> diarrhea. 
Well, she forgot about it. Oh, probably because there was a hot new doctor on the staff. Oh, liar. I've never had a hot doctor. I bet you this never happened. (laughs) When he asked me to get on the examining table, I jumped right up. Just as he started pressing down hard on my stomach, I got a bad cramp and let out a wet fart all over the examining table. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's why they covered in that weird paper. (laughs) (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I grabbed my coat and ran out of the office. You just left him there to clean up your shit? That is so fucking rude. All he has to do is tear (laughs) off the paper. That's what the paper's for. You treated an essential worker like that (laughs) to be your fucking shit maid? No. (laughs) Yeah, like, what are you, a dog at the vet? Like, you're just shitting all over the table? I feel so bad for that hot doctor. I'm sure he called in some receptionist to deal with it. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. This is like 50% of the reason, no, like 80% of the reason why I don't want to have kids. Because I've heard that people, when they, like, push yeah shit they're shit all over the bed they in can. Front of a, it doesn't always happen i but imagine they it would can. happen to me i yeah. have loose bowels oh i, I thought you're gonna say this is eight percent of the reason i want to shit on a doctor's <laughs> <laughs> you know you never know yeah. there's another one that i like too that i thought was very uh it's come up a lot in and with you guys because of your upbringings yeah since my parents my friend's parents were going away for the weekend we decided to throw a co-ed sleepover party since my parents left (laughs) i was psyched because the guy had a crush on was going to be there how old are you guys you're having sleepovers dude as soon as everyone arrived my friend popped in a video of the exorcist oh my god my favorite (laughs) i was kind of nervous least favorite horror flicks always freak me out but everyone else seemed into it so i kept quiet it was pretty cool until a really horrible scene came on. I'll let you decide what that scene is. Oh my God. It scared me so much that I peed in my pants. My crush, who was sitting next to me on the floor, glanced over and saw the wet spot on the carpet. He got a disgusted look on his face and he moved to another seat. No one talked to me for the rest of the night. Oh my God. Uh, okay, so I. Do they, do they stay? Did, does she say the scene? No, she doesn't. So I was going to say, what, do you th- what, do you th- what scene do you think? When it is? she turns her head backwards? When she. Goes down the stairs. When the demon forces the crucifix into... I imagine it would be like that, but that's the same scene. Is that the actual release, or is that like a director's cut that I saw? No, it's in the release. Ugh. Yeah. It's pro- it's literally probably when her head like, does a 360. So mm. I know as Catholics, oh, she pukes. you yeah. guys are scared of this film. I never found it scary. That movie was basically a documentary to me. Yeah. <laughs> like that was like literally could happen. So like, the, here's the thing. The Exorcist is my favorite movie to never watch because it's like I've read the book and the book is like my favorite book of all time. And every year and a half, two years, I reread it. So I've read it like literally 17 times probably. And so... That's th- that's why I got excited. It's like not because I can actually watch the movie because I fully can't, but I just found it like I watched it when I was too young. Yeah. I well, and you guys both went to Catholic school, so like James yeah. said, it's th- this isn't just like ghosts or like scary clowns or mo- like this is an actual real thing that could yeah. happen to you. I was already terrified of church because they look haunted <laughs> always, yeah. especially then, Catholic churches. They yeah. are not like evangelical. They're all like warm and welcoming. I went to the most bullshit church for Catholics. <laughs> My sister is uh, had her kids baptized because apparently Catholicism is a joke to her. <laughs> uh, and, and I went in and all church, Catholic church is meant to be dark, smoky, spooky. Like, like, the, like only light comes in through stained glass so it's super dark. There's smoke, there's candles. This place 
was fucking airy. Yeah. There was there was like giant skylights coming through. <laughs> it was a Catholic church. And instead of Jesus being tortured to death on a cross, it was a G- uh, airbrushed picture of Jesus, like with a bunch of sheep looking. Oh my God, was fuck. it Buddy Christ? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like uh, those T-shirts you get at the fair. No, every fucking every fucking church I've ever been in looks super fucking haunted and like smells like old people. Good. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Supposed to contemplate your death and the long line of death that came before you. Supposed <laughs> to show up there and there's a bunch of shiny lights. You're like, ooh, this is nice. Yeah. When I was no. a kid, my dad was my dad was Catholic, but he didn't uh, force us to go to church or anything. But I would go with him sometimes, and I have this really distinct memory of my dad like bringing me to the miracle candles, and I went, <sighs> Oh, you blew, blew them, them out? out, and I was like, Happy <laughs> birthday, Jesus! <laughs> That's the best fucking story you've ever told. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Yeah. No, I do like the fact that you put, you like actually said that like evangelical churches are warm and welcoming because <laughs> they're really no, they're not. not. They're no, really they're not. that's but how they spooky, lure you I mean. in. They lure with you the in. lightness, except for bullshit ones that are in like a strip mall that have folding chairs. Yeah. <laughs> like I need some production value if I'm gonna be. I want some DV. Sign up with your shit. Yeah, I want some fucking diva shit when I walk into a church. I'm gonna say DVDs like no. a rock of like. <laughs> Andrea's best story she ever told about the greatest story ever told. (laughs) Hope for this world, joy through all the land, touch the heart of everyone, take everybody's hand. I cannot listen to this man without. They're just such Why an old did they man band. Such a shorthand for like, uh, like the most funny, make funnable band of the '90s. Like I like ridiculous. that song. I love there are that so song. many songs from the '90s, typified by Third Eye Blind, who released one of the greatest debut albums. They have like eight hits on it. They're all great. Like, why do we make fun of these bands? Like, it's I don't okay. know. I find no. Hootie and the Blowfish to be very dad rock. Yeah, it's really fun and enjoyable. Like, it's not cool. I just found out there's not a single member named Hootie in that band. No, there isn't. <laughs> no, because basically there is like a huge joke in it in Jerry Maguire where somebody like goes up and asks for Cuba Kidden Jr.'s like autograph and saying, are you Hootie? <laughs> oh, there's also a uh, Friends thing where yeah. uh, they have a big fight because one of them got tickets to Hootie and the Blowfish yeah. and the poor ones refused to go as some kind of uh, poverty protest, power to the people. And then uh, they feel bad because uh, Monica made it with a member of the Blowfish. <laughs> you partied with Hootie and the Blowfish? Who would give you that, Hickey? That would be the work of a Blowfish. Here's the thing. I started laughing immediately when that song started because it's the fucking funniest song to lead into this segment, <laughs> considering <laughs> what we're about to talk about. It's really funny and really inappropriate. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Hootie and the Blowfish is the Dave Matthews of the 90s. No, they're better. You think so? Yeah. Dave Matthews sucks. I hate Dave Matthews. I like that song. I don't think so. I've been to four Dave Matthews band concerts. Dave! Isn't Dave Matthews band like famously virtuosic with like conga drumming or some shit? Where they play bongos for an hour No, I don't know about that. They go, they they are definitely big fans of like the fucking solo. Yeah, yeah. Who the Blowfish? Fucking three minutes single. They play the song for <laughs> in or out. fuck you around like that? Hootie and the Blowfish are like the fucking one night stand of rock. Yeah. <laughs> Hootie wouldn't fuck you around for five minutes with a though. He's yeah. right there. Here's three minutes of a fucking fantastic song. Yeah. I'm a songsmith. In and out. Darius Rucker in has and out a in five successful minutes. career <laughs> as a country singer now. 
Yeah. No, he does. Yeah, no. And he's actually, like, pretty good. And then country people get to pat themselves on the back being like, we're not racist. We're inclusive. And yet, somehow, (laughs) Lil Nas X isn't a country song. Oh, I love that guy. All right. We are on the Love 911. You're questions answered on love sex dating and whatever and someone apparently. please call 911 <laughs> that's a Wyclef Jean reference it is. stepping out I think my stepbrother is totally hot it's called <laughs> stepping out oh my god <laughs> is that sick <laughs> oh so Lord. that was the question real short and the, the advice is pretty good sick no sickeningly complicated definitely <laughs> Unfortunately, your step bro falls under the heading of the untouchables. Guys who are strictly off limits, anyone's boyfriend, friends, recent exes, and your ex's best bud. Unless you have a family what? history. Say that again. You went way too fast. There on are people that. you can't fuck. They're called untouchables. It's based on a classist system in India based on huge <laughs> oh repression of an no, entire. Who are considered, un- who are considered so untouchables? Guys who are off limits. Anyone's boyfriend. F- recent exes of your friends and your ex's best boy, like Elliot best Ness, whoever Sean Connery played. <laughs> uh, so they actually, I was going to bring up the clueless thing because I'm like, Cher and Josh clearly pioneered the stepbrother porn oh, trend on, on Pornhub. And they actually bring up clueless saying her dad was married to her stepbrother's mom for about 15 minutes. So that's not a problem. But then this sort of love affair really? is destined. Really? Because he treated him like a son. He had him yeah, in his exactly. I found it that's a little a weird. problem. But the whole, th- I mean, like, I could talk about Clueless forever. I mean, she's 16. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk about, like, fucking Clueless until the cows come home because it's my favorite movie of all time or one of. I could talk about um, stepbrother porn because it's my favorite genre. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. That's just, it's like, not. liking older women porn. Like, yeah. that's, oh, stepbrother porn. Yeah. They went out of their way on Clueless to be, like, to remind everybody that that basically Cher and Josh were not related yeah. at every turn. <laughs> People make drinking games out of <laughs> how much they hammer home, pun intended, that, like, that they're That's not related. Literally, stepbrother porn is like literally adding chili flakes to boiled potatoes. <laughs> it's just... It's just like two bland people, but by the storylines, like, hey, we're kind of related. That makes this hot, Two bland ingredients that create something (laughs) spicy. So she's basically saying that the advice is that it'd be very complicated to live with your boyfriend and your parents. Yeah. Um, or like if your step sib- if your step parents divorce, that makes you ep- ex step siblings. There's all these problems. So yeah. uh, instead, problem? hook up with one of your immediate family members. <laughs> 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 no, it says it, hook up with one of his cute friends. My friends were incredibly ugly, so <laughs> tough luck for you. <laughs> If we can get through an episode without mentioning incest or shitting our pants, it's a miracle. Yeah, exactly. We haven't let you down. <laughs> we covered both. True. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, oh, my, don't, don't tell me you've come up with a list of incestuous relationships. <laughs> oh, no. Not incestuous. I'm out the second you mention Woody Allen, no, dude. No, 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 no. He actually wasn't on here. Oh, really? Um, okay, so according to Kira Sedgwick, who learned on PBS's Finding Your Roots that her and her famous husband... Kevin Bacon. Oh, no. Our distant cousins. Apparently, most white people are related. Not shocking. Y'all are inbred. (laughs) White people are... That's a big fucking genre of people. So, well, you know. So, there is a couple of people who are related, like, distantly. I didn't look up, like, exact 
So there's um, Kevin Bacon and um, Kira, Kira Sedgwick. Sedgwick. Jerry Lee Lewis and his he, spouse, his our second cousin, cousin. His 13-year-old cousin. Yeah, that's a double Creep. whammy. Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip. Not shocker. Yeah. Well, I mean, royals. I mean, yeah. how they're dis... He was Greek. They're distillated in the same way that everyone in England was basically related to Queen Victoria at some yeah. point. Uh, noted piece of shit Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani and his wife are yep. second cousins. That's no, the, not Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> to the surprise of no one. Yeah. Uh, Albert Einstein and he left his wife, who was a genius, for his uh, niece and bread or cousin. No, it's his second cousin, or no, first cousin on his mother's side. Oh, ouch! And no. second cousin on his father's side. So are his mom and his dad related? Weird. Jesse James, uh, John Adams, Jesse Edgar J- Allen, uh, Jesse James, and who? The guy who makes motorcycles. Uh, they're first cousins. <laughs> no, but, no, like the outlaw. She's he was, naming, uh, no, her name was Zeralda Mims. She's he naming was, old timey people now. Yeah. Did, well, he, did he date that person before or after Sandra Bullock? <laughs> what? Jesse James. No, Jesse James the outlaw. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, uh, whoops. <laughs> Newsflash, Adam and Eve's kids. <laughs> and Edgar Allan Poe. And, you know, it was, it was more commonplace. And even certain cultures, it's, a, it's not considered completely out of the realm to date or marry people. In your, not in your immediate family, usually because of problems. Yeah. But in your, you know, royalty. I think it's fucking weird. I even think it's weird if you're step siblings. Well, think of the mental gymnastics people have to do of being like, wait, there was Adam and Eve <laughs> and they had two sons. And then what? Did they fuck a bunch of like, <laughs> weird mo- like monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> Evolution people! But we have, I don't know if we covered it because it got too fucking weird, but <laughs> we have had at least one article from these magazines that was like two kids who got together and then their parents got together and then it was like they were fucked and got made fun of a lot and it was really fucking awful and horrible and they were, they ended up like keeping the relationship going even after their parents, you know, yeah, got so together. You- but I'm like, Get out of it! <laughs> it's like yeah. you're you're teenagers. It's not it's not star-crossed lovers. It's like you guys are not soulmates. in Georgia. Yeah, you guys will get over that pain. Like you're not you're not oh, meant yeah. to be together. Just get out of that situation. You know what's great about a about a step sibling? They get to be in your house, so you can find all kinds of opportunities. You have to finger oh, someone at, by the back God. of a portable at a public school. I love that. That's where you went with that. Then there's the the 90s people that played siblings that hooked up. Yeah. Of course. Think of the one off the top of your head. Oh, my God. It's like a quiz. I don't know. Brenda and Brandon. Oh, there we go. No. I yeah. always watched that show, and I was like, they're so fucking. Oh, they were. They're oh, yeah. Dating. They were so, like, they standing were, next to each other. Yeah, like, it was just, they were not believable siblings. They no. were so. Uh, there was Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey, who played siblings in Ferris Bueller. Yep. They were in a car together when they killed that couple in Ireland. Holy Rip. shit. And Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. These were the notable ones that I thought. Oh, you mean, yeah, they, they, they kissed they played before they found out they Mark were. Mark Hamill. <laughs> Just saying, if you were hooking up with your stepsister, you could do it in the house rather than going to Mike Sorrent, bringing her to Mike Sorrento's aunt's birthday party and then uh, once you eat food taking her across the street to the elementary school down this there personal. and fingering her by the portal so oh this is just God. universal <laughs> I'm just, this could happen to anybody all i'm saying is don't date your sibling regardless <laughs> of but then again girly bags life tip number one but then again Every single fucking episode of Jerry Springer that popped up that was literally <laughs> brothers and sisters loving each other, I was like, I need to make fun of some people. <laughs> and then I would watch it. 
don't date your step siblings, as f- but your cousins. Hey, sexy cousins, <laughs> give me a call. I haven't heard from you in a while. Oh. <laughs> The 90s were such a, that's a specific like pop song that they made with like a, like guitars. It's a specific sound for yeah. yeah, that's very 90s that yeah. I'd miss. Yes. Uh, it's also a song that a serial killer would play right before they <laughs> chop you into pieces. You know that's if true. If they remade like American Psycho in the 90s, it'd be like instead of Hugh Lewis and the News, it'd be Dolomitri. play that song. <laughs> Anyway, we are leading into uh, a quiz for James off the p- piggybacking off of our murder segment. Yeah, because this magazine didn't have any quiz in it. It, was it didn't have any quiz. Yeah, um, which is weird because there's usually always a quiz in these fucking mags. That person took a sick day. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to give James a quiz and it is which famous serial killer. Are I you? have been <laughs> locked in a room for <laughs> 13 hours with denied access to a lawyer and I was sitting there they gave me a coke like four hours ago I'm just sitting here and like a bunch of men in golf shorts keep coming in and out I haven't slept in 15 hours they keep coming in and out and they're asking me questions go ahead good cop bad cop that was really fucking specific um so this quiz comes from play buzz um and it is again which famous serial killer are you funny fun fact I love serial killer quizzes like this, and I've taken a number of them and gotten <laughs> a number of different serial killers. But there was one memorable quiz that I took, and I took it about six times, and I kept getting one of two things, Dahmer or this woman that literally murdered a bunch of kids, um, <laughs> many of who were hers. So I kept getting these two fucking options, fine. and I feel like... The woman's... Good. I feel like the only reason I was getting one of these two options was because there was one specific question talking about what your dream job is, and I refused to pick anything other than trophy wife. So I think I kept getting Dahmer or this woman because of that. Uh, there are, I think, rabbits, I might be wrong, who if, 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 if they can't find a comfortable den can like di- re-digest their infants into their body. We don't call them serial killers. That's fucking disgusting. You can kill your own kids. That's You made them. You can kill them. I only trust or one. Or at least that's what my parents told me. I brought you into this world. I only trust one fucking rabbit, and it is my friend Mara's rabbit, Penelope Cruz. And that's the only fucking rabbit I trust because I find the rest of them creepy. I trust... A lot of rabbits. <laughs> Generally, if you're a rabbit hanging out. Can I get you a drink? I need like $20 to last me. They'll pay down. I'm like, sure, <laughs> rabbit. You're trustworthy. I watched Monty Python's Holy Grail movie too many times to trust rabbits. So. Sounds judgmental of rabbits. Anyway, okay. On I don't know this. how many times you have to judge <laughs> rabbits' trustworthiness. Right, Jesse, uh, okay. Jesse Camp. Stop interrupting. <laughs> okay, so question... The first, you're walking in the woods and you come upon an injured sparrow. Do you, one, 
poke it with a stick. Two, cut off it, its wings so you can hang them Aww. on your wall. Three, have a taste. <laughs> um, four, caress its little head ever so gently. Five, put it out of its misery by crushing it to death with your foot. Or six, take it home for your next taxidermy project. I don't know. <laughs> My uncle made me do this. <laughs> Brandon Dassey. Um, wait, this isn't going to work because I'm not a serial killer. Well, so correct. Just pick the thing you would, would do to a dead fine, sparrow. Like, wait. Caress its head. Caress its head and then feel guilty for like the next two weeks. But should I go back and kill it? I don't know. <laughs> no, like, there's I guess no, I'll leave it. no, no, no. Dave felt guilty about killing flies the I other did. day. I did. Andrew bought fly traps and like one got stuck and I had to kill it. I feel bad about it to this day. <laughs> Admissions of guilt are not a part of the answer. So <laughs> caress its little head ever so gently is your answer. Okay. How do you lure your victims in? This is weirdly presumptuous that I am a serial killer. (laughs) How do you lure your victims in? A, I drug them and handcuff them to my toilet. B, I get them drunk at a bar and promise them a fun (laughs) after party at my place. Oh, fuck. (laughs) You're going to get Dahmer for sure. (laughs) Shit. Um, C, I lurk in the dark shadows of alleys and pounce on them. D, I recruit them into my satanic cult and brainwash them into thinking I am Jesus reincarnated. Or E, I have them for dinner, literally. Close C, because I think I would be great at cult leader, but 100% B. I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, my we God. We have a pool table in our apartment all the time. Like, hey, come back to our apartment. We have a pool table. We'll have beers. <laughs> You're literally going to get Dahmer. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> no, he would have been the eating one, I think. <laughs> okay, what's your idea of a good time? A, I like to make my victims play games and solve riddles to see how hard they would fight this for their life. This is such a Brandon Dassey scam. <laughs> You're literally like being like fucking prosecutors just assuming I'm a serial killer. I'm not. This is worse than a lie detector test. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so make your victims play games and solve riddles to see if how hard they would fight for their life. B, embarking on new romantic sexual adventures with strangers. <laughs> that could be like our one-night stand thing. Yeah. Um, C, listening to Mozart, drinking a fine wine, and hosting a nice dinner party. Nerd! Or Hannibal. <laughs> but, uh, um, D, coercing other people to do things I want them to do. E, going for midnight strolls. Or F, F. other. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but whatever. Ooh, other. <laughs> this is a really clinical uh, quiz. Um, I like to manipulate people doing things I want to do. Oh, no. Because, okay. but uh, what was the one about? Uh, no, we already I picked, picked it. it. God, there's so, no, I'm not choosing that one. <laughs> Why? Okay, go back, go back, go back. I can't. I don't know if I can go back. Ah, it's already, it's it. sealed and stuff. All right, I'm already locked into being a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Here's the, it's uh, Ringo Starr and I'm a member of the FBI. <laughs> Okay, what's the first thing you do after you make a kill? It is literally assuming you're already a murderer, but um, A, have I'm a I'm just cu- like sleep deprived. You offer me one Coke, no food. I've been here for 14 hours. Like, <laughs> what's the first thing you do after a kill, Brandon Dassey? Oh, my God. A, have a cup of tea and a hot bubble bath. B, send a ransom note and a severed ear to the police. C, plan my next attack. D, play with my stuffed animals. Or E, work on my 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. See? Serial killers do puzzles. I've talked about well, this before. Well, this is me. <laughs> I know. Um, what's the one about the first one? Have, Have a, a cup, cup of, of tea. tea. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. You hate tea. Yeah, but what are my other options? <laughs> I don't do fucking puzzles either. A puzzle. With so many stomach remedies around, how do you know which you can take for heartburn? And for diarrhea? Oh, this is an image one. Okay, so 
Which of these images excites you the most? I'll describe the images for you. There's a saw, Jesus, a brain, someone eating an apple, some kind of 15th century Renaissance painting. What's that? I mean, one with a leg and a piece of a couple of puzzles and a puzzle pieces. It's well, a saw, Jesus, a brain. A woman eating an apple, gross. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say, cut that one out. He's not gonna I find guess that exciting. I a 1950s sexy lady, or ni- a 1600s sexy lady. Yeah. puzzles. Jesus. Okay, Jesus is your answer. Yeah, Jesus that is your upsets answer. me. All right, Jesus is the answer. By the way, you know who? Oh my God, what is this <laughs> fucking kid? By the way, you know who Jesus is. Israel, son! <laughs> okay, oh man, this is gonna get dark. What kind of a childhood did you have? Oh God, how much time do you have? A, I was born to a teen mother, it was difficult. B, oh. wow, that's fucking harsh. Uh, B, pretty normal family life. C, it was a very happy and normal childhood, except for the one time I stood over my mother with knives while she slept. <laughs> like a basset! Right. Uh, C, or D, I wasn't extremely happy or normal, but not scarring either. E, I was a child prodigy, or F, other. <laughs> oh, God, give him the other well, option. How much time you guys had? I'm so <laughs> glad you guys he finally like offered. He, James this literally time. looks like he's stretched out on a fucking shrink's bed. Well, <laughs> it first started when I found out that, no. I would choose, it's, I, I'm Catholic, and I'm uh, uh, extremely repressed, so I'd choose, it wasn't that bad. Okay, yeah, but right. not scarring either. Yeah, no, no, lying. I got no problems. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Mommy! (laughs) Why'd you leave me? (laughs) Okay. How would you like people to describe you? A, very confident, but with temperament. Goes from very happy to angry quickly, but only out of passion. That was A. B, a nice person, though somewhat creepy looking and deranged. (laughs) They think of themselves as divine. C, a pragmatic vigilante with extreme beliefs who thinks they are really making a difference in the world. D, a quiet, grim, and gruesome loner who takes great pleasure in trickery and malice. Or E, a brilliant mastermind, cunning and manipulative in every way with a dangerous hunger for adventure and trouble. Oh, great stuff. (laughs) All great things you'd like your friends to describe you as. (laughs) Creepy One looking rude is I play a character with Andrea. It's called Giant Nerd, <laughs> and uh, I have a thing where I'm obsessed with swag, uh, Gangnam Style, and uh, and and uh, the movie The Dark Knight, where he's like, "Why so serious?" And then I also throw in a little, uh, "You're excommunicated by gangster, you big." <laughs> so I will choose. <laughs> I forget the options. <laughs> I think I think what the you just said, loner? but I think it it could also be a nice person, though somewhat creepy looking and deranged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not nice. I mean, I, I I I'm just not a nice. I mean, you're pretty nice. Eh, I'm not harmful, but I'm not like I'm not pleasant to be around. <laughs> oh, I don't think that. It's not hard. Speaking to be of me. pleasant, all right. Which of these things brings you the most pleasure or gratification? A Oh my god, this uh, is immediately. This is me! Off. A. Alligator clips on the head of my penis. Alligator clips on the head of my penis. <laughs> a. Cooking and or eating a delicious meal. No. Um, B. Solving a challenging problem. C. Having many nice possessions that I earned through hard work. D. Being able to influence and inspire people around me. Or E. Stalking prostitutes. I'm going to say sex workers. <laughs> chopping them into pieces and not getting caught for 127 years, Jack, Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Did I guys ever tell you about one of my earliest memories is my <laughs> brother convincing me 
to take like a hair clip and put it on my penis? <laughs> no. Tell your therapist, okay? Holy we don't fuck. have the time. How did that not come up during the childhood question? <laughs> so what are you? Are you able to inspire and influence, have nice possessions, a challenge? Uh, James loves to eat. I'm going to go with A. All right. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll eat some food. Fair That's enough, the least murdery one. <laughs> All right. They're calculating your results. You guys are some fucking, fucking Charles Manson. Yeah, you guys are fucking <laughs> cops. There was no way out. <laughs> you are the one and only Charles Manson, the notorious serial killing cult leader of the Helter Skelter apocalypse. That's the best case scenario. <laughs> he didn't kill anyone directly, and he's handsome, although <laughs> oh <my> short. God. <laughs> By the way, we are sitting in a table with some fluorescent lights above yeah, us. Yeah, we are. And I have two people staring at me from across the table. Fair enough. <laughs> like, this is some bullshit, like... But you know what my answer to this whole quiz is? Get me a lawyer. Get me a lawyer. Get me a lawyer. I ain't saying shit. Get me a lawyer. That is fucking fair. Good advice. Girl Meg's life tip number two. Fuck you, cops. But apparently, your intoxicating aura draws people to you, and you hypnotize them with your charm and divine-like presence. You are a master teacher and orator, and you inspire others to join your cause. Although you have made some bad choices, you will go down in history for being brilliantly cunning and pulling off a sensational operation that no one will like ever. What kind of white bullshit is this? <laughs> where they all they have is compliments for Charles Manson. It is a lot of white bullshit, my You've friend. You've done a lot of great things. It is a lot of white bullshit. A lot of white bullshit is basically the title of 2020 and 2019 and, and 2018 every year and literally that. fucking every Until year. Until the beginning of it. humankind. Yeah. Uh, never ever listen to cops. Don't do anything. Call a lawyer. Yep. Immediately call a lawyer. And I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you all. <laughs> all right. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you. So I literally was so intrigued by that quiz we just gave James that I took it myself while we were taking a break. And at the end of the day, I got Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> so I just want to say, initially, I was really upset because Hannibal Lecter isn't an actual serial killer. But then I thought about it a little bit deeper, and he's actually a composite of multiple serial killers. So really, what this is saying is that I have layers. <laughs> I'm you an onion of a person with multiple layers. I got Eileen Warnos. Who but I, th- I think it was great hair. I feel like a mullet. She's also fucking bonkers. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> but I think the reason why I got Hannibal Lecter is because every single opportunity I got to talk about how much I like to eat food, I did. <laughs> so that's probably that. True. Yeah. I want to watch Silence of the Lambs now. Fuck. We I need to watch a scary movie. That's what I feel like doing right now. Silence of the Lambs is really psychologically scary. I never really found it like super hyper scary in the Let's way that like... In the basket. I mean, that was kind of <laughs> creepy, but like it's... I, I've, it was more psychologically scary than everything else than anything else because like it was just fucking creepy to the max. But I highly recommend a rewatch if you want something True. like. That's I'm gonna good watch, to watch Sister Act and then I'm gonna watch Sons. That is a an amazing <laughs> combo, an amazing combo. Thank you guys for joining you, us you, for you. another episode. As I said earlier, we have a Patreon. If you want to join it, we've got some cool shit up there. Also, thank you so so much to the people who are already uh, contributing to our Patreon. We love doing what we do, and you guys are really, really helping us out. And 
you know, we're all, we're all people with jobs. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we get, we do this for free because we love talking about teen shit. And in the 90s yeah. and murder. And murder. And let us know what you guys think about this, uh, Grizzly Mags. It's our new, or well, it's our first time ever doing something like that. And we'd like to hear your feedback. Exactly. And I also just like, I want to say that my, in, my <laughs> initial, my initial attraction to a lot of these magazines were the super serious articles. And anytime there was a magazine that was like, you know, I murdered my step sibling <laughs> or I was maybe not. I, don't know. I fucked my step. <laughs> I never, ever wanted to read those, but I wanted to read the ones that was just like, Oh, my father murdered somebody yeah. or, Oh, like I, want to like you know the cheerleader it. murders yeah, yeah or anything that had to do with murder or anything kind of like grotesque like that that was what drew me in i just pretended i want to learn I don't how to those opinions. <laughs> i just I'll find you i will find you <laughs> yeah i will find you i'll come to your house i will play you the fucking, beatles i will i will put a frog stomp cd in your hand but I like I pretended that I was buying these magazines because I wanted to know how to apply eyeliner. But really, what I wanted to do was read all of the murder shit. <laughs> and it's really funny because like when I started doing therapy, my therapist one of the first questions that they ask you is, "Have you ever thought of, had had thoughts about self harm?" And I said, "Well, I never thought about hurting myself. I just..." thought about hurting a lot of other people <laughs> so I, I was a real dark kid i was a real weirdo and uh yeah any, Same. Of these, any of these magazines that had anything to do with anything kind of grotesque or dark or scary i was like signing signing up immediately i got suspended in sixth grade for bringing helter skelter to school Holy and my mom shit. was like she can read whatever she wants can I go similar thing now, that please? similar thing <laughs> happened to me i was reading the exorcist in grade seven i think and basically they called my dad to lecture him about the shit that I was reading. And he was just like, you called me out of work for this. Yeah. So, Can I go yeah. home now, please? Can we be done? <laughs> sure. We love you guys. We love you guys. Thank so you so much. much. Give us Bye. a review. Say hi. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, girly.mags. Twitter, girly underscore mags. Come say hi. Follow us. Give yeah. us reviews. Join our Patreon. We love you. Slip into our DMs. Yes. Bye. Bye. And bye. Next day I'm at the supermarket and it hits me. Like I could totally afford all this cheese.